But I think most of all, and, and what I would want the students to take away from this, is the people that will come out of this the strongest are going to be those that share stories of how they've made a difference and given back in their communities or helped companies or advanced when things were the darkest. And every one of you has something that you can give back. Um, you have a skill that other people don't have, that people need, and I would just highly, highly encourage all of them to give back. Welcome back to the Data Dogs podcast. I'm Lee Britton with my co-host Jake Mosley and Emily Nicholas. This episode, we've invited our MBA faculty member, Patrick Waite, into the conversation. Patrick is the Vice President of Supply Chains Operations, Planning and Logistics at Cox Communications and teaches MBA students our experiential learning courses, just to name a few, our Lean Six Sigma and Business and Corporate Strategy courses. Jake and Patrick will lead the conversation on what supply chains within businesses look like globally since the COVID-19 pandemic began. Welcome back, everybody. This is uh, Jake Mosley. I'm joined by my co-host, Emily Nickens and Lee Britton. Hi, Emily and Lee. How are y'all? Hanging in there, Jake. Yeah, doing well. How about you, Jake? Doing pretty good. I'm excited about today's guest. I'm just going to jump right in. Um, in today's episode, we're bringing in Patrick Waite. He's the uh, VP of Supply Chain Operations, Planning and Logistics at Cox Communication. He also teaches several courses in the MBA program and our experiential learning. Um, and we're, we're big fans of Patrick. Patrick, welcome. We, we're, we're happy to have you today. Hey guys, everybody. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you very much. It's a, it's a great opportunity, so I appreciate it. Yeah, and a quick shout out to a second year MBA student, Shaboom Gar. It was his idea for us to interview you um, to bring in sort of your supply chain expertise. Um, we really appreciate everybody out there listening and our uh, students interacting and engaging with us. That's the whole point of this. And uh, so thank you, Shubham. And like I say, Patrick, thanks for, for being with us. We're going to talk a lot of supply chain with you. Um, and then maybe we'll get into what's in what's keeping us sane through all this with our uh, COVID cast toolkit. But um, why don't we go ahead and get started with our, our first sort of, you know, what is the what has the impact of the uh, novel coronavirus had on the global supply chain? You know, Jake, it's been a uh, it's really been a crazy time in supply chain. Um, supply chain is one of these types of groups that is usually in the background. No one ever sees supply chain, thinks about supply chain. You just want your product to get there when it needs to be there and how it needs to be there. And if you work in supply chain, that's your goal is to kind of be unseen because you're always just delivering. It's there. Salespeople have it. Uh, technicians have what they need when they need it. If you're not seen, you're doing your job as well as you possibly can. And I think what's happened is, is over time, people have forgotten that because supply chains have gotten smooth and gotten better. And now uh, this disruption has really caused a major impact. Um, supply chains were operating more lean, uh, which is obviously something I teach in my class that I'm passionate about. Uh, supply chains were operating lean. They were operating just in time. And a major, major hiccup occurred and that hiccup occurred uh, in the location where most of a large portion of product is produced, uh, starting with China. If you think about it, 95% of the PPE, which everyone's learning about face masks and gloves around the world right now, 95% of the raw material comes from China for all the face masks. And that was disrupted. Uh, gloves come from Indonesia. 
um, the, the raw material comes from Indonesia and that supply chain is disrupted, let alone all the other factories that produce everything that you want, um, you know, that you buy off of Amazon or any other website, got hit overnight at a rapid impact. And it was fascinating the way that this happened. To give you a little bit of background, as the virus went through China and, and impacted China, companies in the US and companies in China built up their supply chains going into the holiday. So there's a large holiday around the new year in China. So China builds up inventory to protect against that and then the US builds up against it. So things felt okay for a longer time in the US uh, because there was these two buffers of product that usually wouldn't have existed. Um, if it would have hit any other time outside of the holiday, we would have had huge disruptions even quicker. But these disruptions have really impacted and made organizations sit back and realize how critical supply chain is and how important it is. And, but around the world, the, the food chain is impacted, products are impacted, and most importantly, people are impacted and the health of people are impacted. It has really been a uh, awakening for people to really realize that supply chains are a critical, critical business function. Um, and I think you're going to see that now for many years to come. And and I know you touched on this a little bit, but try to give us a sense of how disruptive this has been. Uh, you know, is, is there an example from work of like, you know, to kind of bring it to life for us even more? I mean, we do see the PPE shortages and things like that, but maybe you could give us an example of a specific challenge that you, you um, faced within the sort of when the supply chain broke down. Yeah, I, I can give you a couple of examples, Jake. Uh, one is, as you've highlighted, I work for Cox Communications and, and all communications, but especially Cox are focused on uh, giving back um, to our markets and giving back to our customers and things like that. And, and uh, the, the government came out and asked all of the telecommunications companies to help out with students needing to work from home and, and things like that. So they created what's called um, Compete to Connect which means we, we try to help lower income families uh, that may be struggling at this time to get them internet and things like that. We saw tremendous runs on this. We, we saw um, volume that we would do in a month occur in a week. So we saw tremendous, tremendous um, demand for the product, which is great because we're helping families and doing all the right things. But we didn't have that kind of inventory sitting around to, to have modems and cable boxes and different things just sitting for, for people. We, we try to operate with a, an efficient inventory level. So we had to hurry up and scramble to find more product to get things. But then you need to rely on China and different areas where that product is made. So we had huge impacts. We saw our self-installed volume go from 50% to 98% overnight. Right, People didn't want technicians in their homes necessarily for, for, for good reasons. So we saw huge demands then onto UPS and getting products out the door, just things that we weren't prepared for. Um, and we fell behind. Uh, we fell behind by a couple of days getting product out to our customers, which is something that I never want to have, have happen. But you know, we were able to turn it around and get it fixed and, and with a couple of uh, ingenuity and some different ideas, turn it around. So I think that's one uh, fundamental area. The other one is uh, PPE. And again, I think everyone's seeing PPE as an issue, but if you think about it, if I can't keep my technicians safe uh, to go into the home, you know, they can't do their job. And if they can't do their job, you know, we maybe can't deliver internet service or 911 uh, service and different things like that. So we need to ensure that our employees are safe. And there was a mad scramble uh, for masks, gloves, 
you know, we did everything. I, uh, I ran to Costco and, and was able to convince them to sell me 10,000 gloves in one purchase, um, even though they were only trying to do one box per person. Um, I explained some of the critical nature of our work. I had employees go to nail salons and buy up their masks as they closed because they all used masks. So we did that. And then I think what I'm most proud of through this whole experience, AWS Distillery here in Atlanta saw their business obviously drastically get hit. And uh, we had some friends uh, that knew them uh, through the Cox, uh, through Cox. And they reached out and said, listen, what could we do? Uh, we think we could move our production over to uh, hand sanitizer. But we don't know. We, we can't figure it out. We don't exactly have capital. We're a rather small company. We were able to give them capital to create some samples and get ready. And they're now uh, producing a large portion of all of the hand sanitizer for Cox. And, and we are fortunate. I'm, I'm fortunate enough to work for a company that loves to give back. So actually... Um, for every gallon of hand sanitizer that we buy from them, they are donating a half a gallon to Children's Hospital or different uh, healthcare providers across the United States, uh, predominantly in the Atlanta area. Um, so we actually had Children's uh, Hospital of Atlanta uh, pick up the first batch of uh, hand sanitizer, but he was able to keep his employees uh, on board and he's now producing hand sanitizer. I, I do have to admit, I did need to go uh, to the brewery to you know inspect and then, of course, there may have been some taste testing involved, but, <laughs> I mean, but I drink the hand sanitizer. Are you drinking the hand sanitizer yet? I'm, I'm not drinking the hand sanitizer, but I, I will say that it's possible that their whiskey, bourbon, and moonshine is, uh, is, uh, get some high uh, four or five stars. That, that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Well, great story. Th- thanks for sharing. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds me, here locally, Creature Comforts, the brewery, has put out a uh, creature i think they call it clean creature but but part of what they say in the, in in that is it's it's helped them keep their employees working and the folks here in Athens are buying the hand sanitizer but that your story is on a much greater scale man stuff like that just makes me feel better about where we're headed so awesome yeah yeah it's about people coming together to do that so i think i think that's the right thing and 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 now more than ever we need to be giving back to people um, and helping that, and especially those that are in a positive situation, there's a lot of people in a negative situation. So I think it's about how you help them out. Awesome. Well, um, our next question is, um, could you talk maybe about which industries uh, have been hit hardest or most severely by this? Yeah. Um, I think you see it on TV all the time. Um, as, as many of you know, and my students know, I'm a big fan of CNBC. That's where I like to get my news from because I think it's a very clean view of, of the world because it gives you just a business lens um, of what's happening. So I think we've all seen it uh, with the different companies, but uh, auto, travel, and retail are probably the three that come to mind across the board. Auto is, um, I hate to ever use the word decimated, but the auto industry is hit hard, right? People are not thinking about buying cars right now. If your car was running you are still driving that car that you owned on February 1st. If it was still working, then you are still driving that car today. Very few people. What's fascinating though, right, is the world changes. Online car sales have jumped over 200%. Now, I think there was maybe 10 and now there's 20. So I don't know that it's a big, it's an enormous jump, but that's a fascinating you know, change also. But yeah, so I think auto. Then in the uh, travel industry, Right, hotels, 
air, uh, any kind of vacation, cruises, any of those things, right? Air travel, I think the latest numbers I've seen from Delta is down 94%. Um, so think about planes. As you guys know, I travel a lot. Planes were, were full, right? They were oversold. They were packed. Um, I was sitting in middle seats. I was not happy. They were just packed. And now think about it. There's, there's 12 people on a plane, 15 people on a plane. You know, it's crazy. And, and the airline industry is just faced with tremendous challenges of how will you get people back on the seats, back in the seats? Will you change the configuration of the plane? You know, this, this concept around six feet following the CDC guidance is brilliant and is definitely the right thing. Um, but as we've started to study it and look at back to work and things like that, what is really six feet apart and what people believe is six feet apart is drastically different. What, it, what is six feet, if you ever measure it, most people basically think it's nine feet. Like I need to be nine feet away to actually feel that I am six feet away. And then how the airlines will ever work with that, um, you know, will be a question. Hotels, uh, going into hotels, staying now at hotels, who was in my room before, was it clean? There's a whole bunch of questions, um, you know, that now exist. And then, um, you know, retail. It sounds like over the weekend, J. Crew will file for bankruptcy uh, based on the current uh, readings that are happening. You know, a lot of these retail, uh, what I would call traditional brick and mortar, are going to just get uh, impacted. Um, you know, who's going to go to malls? Uh, there was already a decline, I think, that everyone knew. But now who's going to go to malls? Who's going to go do all those different things and, and want to be more out and about? I think there will be a portion of the population, but a large portion won't. That said, I think there's a flip side. Right, Some industries are thriving. Telemedicine. People were not using telemedicine before. It was used, but not a lot. I had used it once or twice. Telemedicine has seen roughly 136% increase um, in growth overnight. And most people believe that they're going to use it for the foreseeable future. It's, it's crazy uh, how on fire it is. And, and you can see that reflected in some stock prices with Teladoc and other companies. Curbside pickup. Curbside pickup did not exist for a lot of restaurants, right? This was onesie, twosie, uh, Uber Eats, any of these types of things. This was, th this was some business, but not a ton. Now, overnight, uh, restaurants are thriving. I happened to go to a local pizza joint last night because uh, we're trying to give back in our community. And we were speaking with the owner and he said when this first hit, he was down 60%. Um, but he's an ex-military guy. And he just wasn't going to give up. He's got a staff of 85 employees and he just refused to give up on his people. And um, he did a lot of things and worked with the, the city to get some advertisement out and different things. And he said right now he is down four to 5% over, over his previous year. Um, so he's just seen a minimal, minimal uh, decrease. Um, and then right, online fitness. I'm trying to use my Peloton more. Um, you know, but all of these different folks are trying to do different uh, things to stay engaged and stay on board. And it's really been an interesting uh, way that they've been going forward. So I think you're going to see uh, some of those differences that you maybe didn't see before. That's fascinating stuff, Patrick. Sort of following up on that, could you talk a little bit about what 
you know, what permanent impacts are going to be like this or, or excuse me, from this? Yeah, I think, Jake, that's a, that's a great question because I, I think you are going to see uh, the world changing. We've been working with um, McKinsey uh, to try to see what, what they see and, and kind of what's going on. And it's interesting. They've pulled a group of folks, um, about 2,500 business leaders. Uh, very few are seeing any kind of V-shaped recovery, um, but also very few see like an L recovery where it kind of just flatlines for a long time. A lot of them are seeing a, uh, I don't know how to really explain it, kind of a sideways J. So we saw the big drop down and then a long tail, but moving upward, but a very wavy up and down. And I think you're going to continue to see that uh, because this impact to, to GDP, based on what these people are saying, will be very similar to the impact that we saw at the um, end of World War II. This will be one of the largest impacts to GDP for most of the people that are alive um, that saw it. If you really think about that, that takes into account 2000, the financial crisis, uh, the Great uh, Recession, all the different things that you, you, know, you see. So I think this impact's gonna be large, but if, if you think about the future and, and where that could go, I think you're gonna see huge acceleration of things that, that we didn't think about. Again, telemedicine, as I already mentioned, I think telemedicine will be a new area for the long term that will really drive change uh, and drive the industry down a clear direction. I think remote learning uh, will be another big one that people talk about and try to get right and figure out. Based on the data that we're seeing, um, you know, more online gaming, online streaming um, is a big one that people are talking about stepping up, uh, meal kit delivery, more meals at home. Um, so I think that is going to be an interesting one. I worry about the restaurants, but if you think about how restaurants will need to create huge amounts of space, which won't give them the capacity that they need. So I think a lot of restaurants are going to struggle uh, in the long term when they finally are able to open up. And then I think you're going to see more of this progression to more of, uh, of being at home uh, and doing things. So this, this play of, of home uh, is going to be unique. I don't know if it'll be good or bad. I'm interested to see how that plays out, but um, I think it's going to be fascinating. Well, the, your comparisons to to um, you know sort of coming out of the Great Depression um, or World War II, it makes me think. I, I saw some interesting things online where a lot of comparisons have been made too about this pandemic to the 1918, you know, the Spanish flu. But then you had the Roaring Twenties, and then after you know. After World War II, and you had sort of the the boom of the fifties and, and sixties. Um, is it in, in sort of a dark hour? Is it okay to think like or feasible that when we get there, there may be such a uh, emphatic bounce back? Do you see something like that possible? Yeah, I I don't know that it'll be a uh, I don't know that it'll be a crazy bounce like a very you know we'll be right back to where we were in six months. I don't think it'll be that. But there's one thing, Jake, that I know for sure is, right, the human spirit. If I'm going to bet on anything, I'm going to bet on the human spirit. And we will only get out of these things better. And we will only come out to the other side in a more positive way. Um, so I don't doubt that for one uh, second. How quickly it comes back, you know, I think it'll take time. Is this an 18-month, 24-month, 36-month? We might be talking more about that. But there is not one doubt in my mind that we will be better off tomorrow than we are today. And I think that's probably the most important thing that people need to think about. 
Yeah, that's a, it, it helps. <laughs> and sort of as we're kind of mired in this right now. Um, but moving back to supply chains a little bit, you talked on how that statistic about 95% of, of the, the supply chain was in China. Do you see some of that moving out of China as a res- like permanently as a result of this? Yeah, that, that, that's a great question. Um, it actually came up in some of this uh, thought-provoking conversation we're having with McKesson and, and different groups. Uh, McKinsey, sorry, not McKesson. McKinsey and different groups. They even challenged, you know, hey, will supply chain stay lean and just in time? Or will they now focus more on being resilient and, and being what I would call a little bit fatter um, and having more protection? And I think this is an interesting conversation. I think that at least in the short term, they will. Uh, that, of course, adds cost to the overall supply chain. But you could see where you have a supply in China and then you pick um, another low-cost country, uh, is what we call it, but another low-cost country to operate in um, where you have redundant production and capability. You also uh, will see that with dual sourcing. You'll find two different suppliers that make the same product and you'll dual source and you'll split your uh, money between them. That has a lot of positives because it helps you give more security to your supply chain and more protection. The downside, of course, is that's more expensive. Giving all of my sourcing and all of my dollars to one company will further drive down cost. If I then only give uh, two companies half of that, they will charge me a little bit more. So um, there will be this tug of war that I think exists. I think the other thing uh, that we'll see, but we're not there yet, is uh, closer production and closer product to what we call the last mile. So you can see Amazon is going around purchasing a lot of warehouses and trying to create more space. Uh, That's partly because of their business um, is exploding. Um, But second, the closer they can get to that last mile and deliver same day, next day, uh, only makes their life a little bit easier uh, to stop customers from going to other places. So I think you're going to see questions about potentially producing in the U.S. uh, to try to accommodate some of that. 10 years from now, 15 years from now, with 3D printing and some of the other technologies that still have a ways to go. But as those could come up to speed, you could imagine um, micro facilities, uh, micro manufacturing facilities across the United States that can produce you know, 200 different uh, products for different companies. Um, And much like you see some of these, what they call these ghost restaurants uh, that exist, where you see one restaurant that produces McDonald's food and Burger King's food and a different, several different restaurants. And the Uber drivers show up there, grab the four four or five different things and then go make one delivery. I think you could see manufacturing eventually go down that, where one manufacturer makes Nike, Adidas and Reebok and they're making it in one plant and they just kind of issue it out. That's fascinating because that sort of leads into another question. You're kind of already there, but do you see major changes in business models, you know, coming out of this? And it sounds like, yeah, you just gave great examples. Yeah, I think there are a ton of uh, major changes that are happening. And I think there there's not only changes to the business model, but I think it's going to be changes in the ways companies operate. All companies are on fast forward and I find it fascinating. I love it, um, but I find it fascinating. And what I mean by that is ideas that would have taken six months or a year to think about and figure out and really vet 
in this new environment where you're not face-to-face and you can't always touch the product and figure it out, you're bringing it down to three or four meetings and saying, what do we do? And some great examples from my industry are, we've had a box uh, to ship to customers for a long time and it, it hasn't been as environmentally friendly as we would have liked and we were working on different ideas and things like that, but we were probably not going to launch it uh, till the end of the year was kind of our plan. Um, we got together, we were, ha- we were seeing constraints for materials, especially cardboard across the industry right now. Um, we started to see some constraints uh, we were able to get the eco box up and it was already delivered within 30 days. So something that we would have planned to wait a year to really figure out and, and set everything in motion properly, we launched it in 30 days. We wanted to provide opportunities for our uh, UPS folks, uh, for people to deliver to UPS and, and, and be able to get to our customer service needs quicker. So we've created opportunities like that as well. That's fascinating. It reminds me... Um uh, Dr. Sutherland teaches uh, innovative business projects in the program, and one day he had a uh, innovation exec from Chick Fil A come in, and it it was funny that when I know nobody's probably been in Chick Fil A for a while, but the um the thing that they give you when you order at the counter that that they put their your sauces or your condiments in and you take to your table, um it took them five years to get that. Like it was his story. Five years of them tweaking and adjusting it, and the the best part was like when they put it in the stores, it was an they didn't envision storing it. It was a worker in Chick Fil A that turned it over and started putting stuff in there, and they were like, "Oh wow, okay." But that took five years, so it's 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 uh, that's a, an encouraging thing to see. Um, we're moving faster with innovation. We are. I mean, we, we are going to move fast with innovation. And a lot of these things that we've talked about, um, the digital economy, um, delivering faster, uh, having more um, uh, video conferencing becoming more normal. I mean, I think the, one of the other ones that I'm most proud about uh, for Cox is we've actually created a virtual tech. So what we have is uh, we're dropping uh, self-install uh, products off. And to some of our customers uh, that may struggle with technology, like Emily likes to make fun of me and struggling with technology, um, for some of our customers that, that may have some challenges with technology, we actually have an interactive app where uh, the customer gets a text, they click on a link, their camera opens up, and they're able to show a technician who's sitting at home what they're going through, what they're trying to hook up, which wire goes where, and they're showing them and the tech is talking back to them, telling, no, grab the wire here, put this here. And they're basically having a Zoom you know, meeting through the app um, to help that customer get up and running. And uh, I think we were able to launch that in like 22 days. That's, that's amazing. Because it sort of leads into my next question of like, what's going to be our new normal and the role technology is going to play in it? Like, are we going to be going to the office less? Are we going to be doing more Zoom meetings? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I'm on some of the back to work, uh, we don't call it back to work, back to the office uh, conversations because I think we're all working. If not, we're probably working more than we ever were. You know, the, the back to the office, and, I, and it's just a, it's a really good question. Um, you'll see that Amazon just published that they're not going to go back into their offices until October 2nd. Facebook and Microsoft have said they're not going to have any large meetings until the middle of 2021. So I think there's a lot of questions about how and when we're going to go back to the office and how that's going to work. You know, I think there's lots of of open questions. 
Um, but if I think about what the new normal is going to be, one that, uh, that always makes me laugh, uh, my wife is a germaphobe, um, but right, cleanliness, is cleanliness yeah, yeah. believe it or not, is going to get more. Yeah, more. It's, it's a good feature right now. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. But cleanliness is going to be um, way on the up and up, which I think is good. <laughs> I'm not going yeah. to complain about that. Um, you know, but keeping things clean, ensuring they're clean and doing all that is going to be a critical conversation going forward. I think the tracking and tracing of products is going to be fascinating. Where your product went through the supply chain, especially the food supply chain, what did it touch, where did it go, I think are going to be fascinating conversations as well going into the future. I think social distancing is, is going to also be probably part of our new norm um, and then accompanied from work from home, which if you think about it is going to add some challenges. Uh, and what I mean by that is if you think in the future for some period of time, some smaller workforce will be back in offices. If that's 50% of the employees go back, 60%, 30%, whatever the number is, a large portion are now still going to be work from home. And how are you going to keep those folks that are working from home versus those that are in the, in the buildings on equal footing, right? Because they're going to be at a, you know, potentially a disadvantage if you have three people in a room meeting face-to-face and two people sitting on uh, Skype or Teams or Zoom. It's just harder for those people that are not in the room. Yeah, that's something we've, we've seen even on our team, I think, um, across the MBA program staff. Students uh, that are in the program know that we're sort of always out in the hall bouncing ideas off each other. And we can move a little better in real time. Like I, there was an idea a staff member had this week that we thought was good. Um, and it took three days for another one to go, no, 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 no. These are all of the cascading effects of doing that. And th- that would have happened in five minutes if we were in the office yeah. together. So that, that's a fascinating point you bring up too. So. Yeah. And, and that concerns me because that, that will have some delays. So I think, you know, there is going to be questions uh, like that. And then I think there's going to be um, less physical interaction. Um, Cox is a big hugging company. Everybody hugs each other. Um, it's a very caring um, company, and we care about our employees and, 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 and our customers and those types of things. You know, but I, I think that's going to change, um, right? Even when you've started to now venture out a little bit more and go see one of your friends or do different things, you know, did you hug them? Did you just fist bump? Did you just hit elbows? Like, what did you do? And then think about that going forward. I think that's going to be, uh, that's going to be interesting um, how that happens. So I, I think technology, though, is going to now play a tremendous role in everything that we do uh, going forward, which I think will be good because it will help with understanding what happened, why decisions were made, and, and how it went forward. But an over-reliance on technology versus that uh, human interaction, I think, could have some negative impacts. I think one... Uh, that's interesting that I'm trying to figure out how to overcome is strategic conversations. How do you have a strategic conversation um, to try to change the direction of your business over teams? Like, you know, don't you need to whiteboard, really be looking someone in the eye, understanding? It's going to be difficult, not impossible, but just more difficult to make strategic business decisions that change things. And, you know, for the last three months, it's been fine. Uh, for companies because it's been more tactical and more reactionary, but companies are now starting to adjust to this new normal and understand. 
And I think the strategic question is going to be the next question because I think everyone knows they need to pivot, but they're trying to figure out how do I pivot? How do I have a real strategic conversation? And trying to do that over Zoom and read. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's hard to be emotionally intelligent over Zoom, you know? Like it's, <laughs> it's, that's a fascinating point too. Well, thank you so much, Patrick. This has been just helpful for me. I'm, I'm a little bummed because I'm a hugger. So if Cox is like, it, I am, uh, I'm curious as to where we'll go with all this, um, you know, what our new normal will be. I know that's a, a cliche, but um, what do you see as major takeaways from this? Or, or what are you focusing on as uh, your major takeaways? Yeah, you know, and I think they're less uh, supply chain. Again, I think the supply chain is critical and, and now more than ever, people are realizing that it's critical, but I think there's just a couple of thoughts that, you know, I, I would want people to think about uh, this. And we touched on it a little bit, but right, everyone needs to know there is no doubt, I can guarantee it, we are going to get, we are going to get through this and be better on the other side. Throughout history, we have always been better on the other side and it's just proven time and time again. Human ingenuity, uh, different things like that, always prove themselves. There's a great article from Warren Buffett uh, in one of his letters that I would encourage all the students to read. I think it's the 2011 or 2012. And he talks about, you know, a lot of people in these types of times buy gold and and hold gold. It's a known commodity. It holds value. And and that may or may not be a good investment advice right now. I'm not sure. I'm not going to comment on that. But at the end of the day, you could go out and buy gold and you could hold that. And 10 years from now, you'll still own that same amount of gold. Or you could go out and invest and come up with new ideas and figure out things in the next 10 years. And those companies that do that will be hugely profitable. And the people that do that will be much better off than that just gold bar that just sits there. So I want people to be thinking about you know, doing that. And you can see it, right? The human spirit is unbelievable. I've watched a lot of videos of people singing from the windows in Italy, families singing, people cheersing across their uh, communities. Um, you know, just the heart of people is, is unbelievable. And that's why we'll do better. You know, one of the things that we've really gotten into is um, John Krizniak from uh, The Office has done some good news, SGN. Um, this has been unbelievable, right? He is just finding good news and there is good news. It's not all terrible. There are a lot of terrible things. There is not one doubt in my mind. Um, there are a lot of terrible things happening right now, but there are good things happening. But the one that you can continue to bet on is the human spirit. And I think one thing that gives me pause about why I know we'll be better is, um, the students, There is no doubt in all the students that I have taught, right? They are bright, they're smart, they're well-informed, and they are gonna play a critical role in turning this around. They are gonna join companies. They are gonna go do projects that are gonna change the landscape of organizations and the world. They are gonna have that next bright idea. Um, And that's what I'm excited about. I think the other thing that's my takeaway from this is this has given us time. Um, and time is one of the few, few resources that A, you can never get more of. I don't care how much money you have, how much money you make, what you do. You cannot buy more time. You only have a certain amount of time. But this has given us an opportunity where things are taking a little bit longer. I have more time to go work on a project and make it a better outcome than I expected. 
I have time to fix things around my house. I probably should get better at that. But I have more time to fix things around my house and get them right. I have time to improve my health. If I've been holding out, working on my health, there's no excuse in the world now. I have plenty of time. I've shaved two, off, two hours off my commute every day. I have two more hours than I ever had um, doing everything. If you think about that, I've got 10 extra hours a week I never had before. There's time to uh, spend with loved ones, right, that maybe you didn't get to before. Um, so I think that's a critical one. But I think most of all, and, and what I would want the students to take away from this, is go out and do something. Go out and change the world. Change what you're doing. Change something. Just make something better. You, you have two choices right now. You can take this as a glass half empty and you can sit at home and play video games and, and you know, feel bad that your internship was canceled and your job was canceled or whatever those are. And those suck. There is no other word to tell you. It sucks. But I've seen it in 2000. I saw it in 08. I have friends that it sucked when it happened to them and it sucks that it's happening to you now. But go find a project to work on. Go donate your time um, in a soup kitchen to, to use some of your Six Sigma skills or marketing skills or consulting skills that you all learned to go make that place a better thing. Go help out a company and do some work for free. Yeah, I, I know working for free sucks. But go do it so you have something on your, under your belt. The people that will come out of this the strongest are going to be those that share stories of how they've made a difference and given back in their communities or helped companies or advanced um, when things were the darkest. And every one of you has something that you can give back. Um, you have a skill that other people don't have, that people need. And I would just highly, highly encourage all of them to give back. Oh, that, that's that's great. I completely agree. I, I think our students are amazing. I love the direction our program has taken towards, you know, Patrick, you represent sort of the piece of uh, applying what you're learning in real settings, right? Like not just a classroom. Um, Andrew Salinas with the nonprofit board of fellows, like get in your community and be engaged. And so now this is a, a great time to kind of combine both of those things. Uh, the MBA skill set, the MSBA analytic skill set, those are in high demand um, in, in anywhere. So thank you for encouraging our students. No, of course, Jake. I mean, it, and, and, and there's just no doubt. They're just all so bright and can do so much. They're, they're just, I just can't wait to see what they do and how they change the world. I mean, me too. We're, we've talked about this in this this um, in our season two, but how thankful we are for all of the hard work that our STEM MBAs, our full time MBAs, and our our MSBAs have put in the program. But also with all these capstones, they've kept going during this trying time, online learning, and now they've got finals. So there's we understand there's a lot on your plate, but but thanks for the uh, the pep talk, Patrick. I, I needed it for sure, and and I hope it's helpful for the students and. Thanks again for joining us. The uh, insight you shared on the supply chain was was, was really great. Um, so now I guess we'll kind of end it. We let, You've got us on a pretty high note, so thank you for that. But we try to also end by talking about what's in our, we call it our COVID, COVID cast or our COVID toolkit. So uh, Patrick, since you're our guest, we'll let you go first. What, um, when you have some, some free time, what is helping you sort of stay sane during this time? 
Okay, I've, I've got a lot, Jake, in my toolkit. I've got to be honest. As, as the students will know, I've, of course, got a lot. Um, I, th- I think the first one is, right, you got to have the dress shirt and the pajama pants. That, that is the key. Um, you'd be surprised. I look very professional um, from the waist up. Um, luckily, I have never been asked uh, to, uh, to stand up in a meeting. Um, I'm trying to be more focused on fitness. Uh, so right now, as we speak, I'm sitting on a yoga ball. I heard if I sit on a yoga ball, it will give me a six pack. <laughs> Currently, I'm in pretty good shape on my keg, but uh, I'm hoping to get to a six pack uh, eventually there. Um, we've been doing a lot of puzzles with the kids. I pulled out a, uh, a puzzle that I got in 1982 of E.T., um, mm. It's missing four pieces, which is apparently as a child I rebuilt and colored. But it's been a fascinating one to do. So that's been a lot of fun. You know, Tucker Beer and uh, some Angels Envy Rye have also been a little <laughs> bit in my toolkit. Right. I must be honest. And lots of episodes of The Office. Uh, my kids are getting into The Office and um, it's been a lot of fun. But I, I would say probably the most important thing in my toolkit is my family. They, they have been here. They have driven me crazy, right? But having them pop in uh, on work calls is fascinating. Most people are dealing with it when they pop in on a work call. I will say for anybody that's struggling, that's having kids pop in on a work call and things like that, I have found when they are doing a school call, if you pop in in the background <laughs> and dance, it quickly limits the amount of time they're willing to pop in. Uh, so there is, uh, there is some karma uh, to some of that. But I think, uh, you know, the students have been, or, sorry, the, my kids and family have been a lot of it. Um, but I think I'd put the students in my toolkit too, right? Uh, talking to them, wrapping up classes with them has been fun. Uh, doing it over Zoom is clearly not the way that we wanted to uh, end. But their spirit and their drive... Um, and just their pure appreciation, I think, has helped uh, helped me move forward. So it's really been great, Jake. That's awesome. That's what I, that's what I have in my toolkit. You kit. got a pretty robust toolkit. I, I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Lee, I think I could see you relating to uh, some of what Patrick was saying. Yes. Oh man, like my, yeah, I have my three year old, almost four year old, sitting next to me right now, playing with paper clips as dolls. Um, so sorry, Scott, you're gonna have to like delete everything most of what I'm recording right now um and she's speaking right now but I will jump in with my toolkit and Patrick I really like the way that you put it in a perspective of the human spirit um you know we we live in Watkinsville which is right outside Athens and it's a smaller community and my street is even smaller um And so we're checking in with our neighbors um, that, you know, we've gotten much closer with our next door neighbors and our neighbors across the street and another neighbor that lives a few houses down. And um, we're we're texting each other every other day to see if we need anything. You know, we see our kids playing in the street and um, and it's really cool. We have a, um, a bonfire pit in the back and our next door neighbor has one. And so we do it on the weekends and just kind of, you know connect in that way and and you know um my next door neighbor's a nurse so she keeps us posted on what's going on at the hospitals and so it's like our own little knit community that we really don't have to go outside the house to or our street so to speak to um to have that kind of engagement 
So they're in my toolkit this week. Um, my family's in the toolkit this week. I think I mentioned them the first time, but I didn't really give them a shout out because it was probably one of those weeks that was like, get out of my hair. <laughs> but I will, I will recognize them this week. They, um, they deal with me and my outburst of needing alone time and, and quiet time. And so they just nod their heads and it's like, okay, we need their own space. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that's in my toolkit. Jake, what about you? What's in yours? So for me, um, some of the same things, not to just repeat, Chloe Joe, uh, my four-year-old daughter, has she's really taken a shine to the neighbor. And so she likes to talk to him from across the street. And it's just funny to watch kids grow up, too, because we went to the end of the street the other day, and he didn't come out. And she's like, but I want to see the neighbor. Go get him. I was like, well, he... <laughs> He, he might not, he might be busy. So that's sort of, we've had some of that interaction you spoke to, Lisa. That That's awesome. Um, something I'm going to add to my toolkit is the some good news. I did not realize that, I guess. Um, so I'm going to check that out. And then lastly, um, Tay-Tay, Taylor Swift. I am now team Tay-Tay. Like, um, I, I, I was able to watch the, um, her, I guess it's a documentary that's on, I think it's Netflix, Miss Americana or whatever. And the the girls love her stuff. And so Team Tay-Tay for me. That's that's my toolkit. What what about you, Emily? I just cannot believe that Taylor Swift is in your toolkit. That's like, it's bringing me life to know that Taylor Swift is bringing you life. So it's a whole nother. Um, Gosh, it's sweet to hear about y'all's families. I, I don't have kids of my own, but I have sisters who... They probably think I treat them like children sometimes, um, but I just really love them, and we're just good about consistently getting on the phone. And um, they're they're part of like my immediate family who I can like see and have around. So it's as little as like making plans with them. Having I think I've missed out on having things to look forward to, and having like my weekend plans. And so it's nice, even if it's just okay, we're going to bake some bread or we're going to get on the phone at this time. Having those sorts of things to look forward to are nice. And then my one silly thing is, um, I might have mentioned this before, but it's very critical to my life, is Bon Appetit Magazine has a YouTube channel that is very popular. Since I learned it was popular, of course, now I'm less interested because I want to be unique. But... The YouTube channel is just hilarious. They have a show where a pastry chef tries to remake, um, like, produce goods like Andy's Mints or Pop-Tarts or Starburst, and she tries to remake them in the kitchen. Anyway, the personalities are big, and in another life, I would be one of these people. Um, And it's just a good hang. 20-minute videos, nice little um, way to spend time. So if you have not seen them, would highly recommend. That's what's in my tool That's amazing. Good. Good hangs. I miss good hangs. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> any way you can get them. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. Well, um, thank you all so much. Patrick, thank you for joining us. It was our pleasure to have you. Thanks for the knowledge you shared. Um, and everybody, we'll, we'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Cool. Thank see you, guys. Ya. Thank Take you. Care. Bye. We thank Patrick Waite for joining us today. This has been another episode of the Data Dogs podcast. For more information about the MSBA program, find us at georgiaanalytics.com or the full-time MBA program at terry.uga.edu forward slash MBA. Follow us on Instagram at georgiaanalytics or georgia.mba. 
Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.